0: This is St. Peter's Sunday Morning Bible Group, and I'm Pastor Adam. Each week, we record our teaching time to aid you in your discipleship and to help create a resilient faith that is able to respond to the changing landscape of culture and life with the fullness of grace and truth. And hey, if you happen to live in the Columbus area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head over to our website at stpeterscolumbus.org. That's stpeterscolumbus.org. Here is this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group.
1: Let's join in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father. As we gather this morning, we ask that you'd open up our hearts, uh, that we could be moved by your word. Open up our ears so that we can hear that in our minds, so we can process it, but mostly, Lord, our hearts, so we can take that in and share that with others. You've given us a great message, Lord, the message of resurrection through Jesus Christ. It's that message that gets us through tough times. Please help us as those that love, uh, those that are having trouble to speak those words of comfort, to speak those words of reassurance. Lord, put your hands in protection and and love around the families of of Mike Owens and all the others who are going through tough times. Surround them with your love. Lord, again, help us to be your hands and feet to help those people through that tough time. Now, as we gather in your name, we ask that you bless our time together and our discussions, and we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. With that in mind, I'm going to turn it over to... Pastor Tim. Uh, but uh, if you want to just take a quick look while he's walking up here, here's what's coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, next week we'll have a social worker here talking to us about how do we share this information with kids? How do I tell kids about death and help them process those things? Uh, we're going to be busy this week as, as we talk to, to the fifth grade about Mrs. McCormick's uh, dad and how he passed away and what happens there. So we'll, that's our schedule. Uh, but today we want to talk about how Pastor Tim has gone in his career from making people die to helping people in the process of death. So go ahead, Pastor Tim, take it away. Thanks for having
2: me uh, to talk to this class. This is a cool class, totally cool class here. And um, uh, this is a goofy uh, topic to talk about. And, uh, and so I'm just gonna say, because it's goofy, there's kind of no rules in this and there's no, uh, limit to your questions. Uh, whenever we get to, I'm only going to, George tells me only to talk for about 10 minutes up front, and then the rest of it's just going to be kind of Q&A. And so uh, no questions are off limit. And uh, if, uh, after this is over, if you uh, uh, want to rescind my call to be your pastor, that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Uh, you know, I'll just start by saying that in some of this, uh, you know, uh, if I smile or if I laugh, it's not because I'm weird, well, a little bit, but uh, it's just, it is what it is. And, uh, and so, uh, that being said, George gave me a few uh, kind of leading thoughts and questions. It might be on your sheet there, but uh, he was saying, maybe start off with some thoughts on this, such as uh, the scripture of Luke 23, 32 through 43 which is uh, the the part of the crucifixion uh, talking about the thief on the cross, to where the the two uh, criminals, uh, some some books uh, of the explanation say criminals, some say uh, uh, insurrectionists, some say thieves, but two uh, criminals on either side of Jesus at the crucifixion, and uh, a big deal, huge deal. And so uh, one thief or criminal or insurrectionist, was hurling insults and criticism at Jesus. And the other, uh, you know, said, Lord, uh, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, you know, said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so uh, that is our scripture uh, that we just kind of going to open this up. And so kind of, what was the difference? Because this whole whatever you want to call it, semester that George is leading you through is all about death and resurrection. And the same topic for our connect groups, death and resurrection. I'm very proud of Pastor Adam and George and the gang for leading us through that. Uh, It's a subject that a lot of people don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about it because it's very, very difficult. For those of you that are connect group leaders trying to lead your connect group through that, I'm proud of you because it's, it's difficult. Uh, and this part with me here today is even more difficult. Uh, and that is that the, uh, just a few of these leading topics from this scripture. The thief on death row, the thief on death row, both of them, uh, were sentenced to death. Um, both of them died physically. Uh, the Bible talks about a second death. One of them apparently, obviously, uh, is going to on the last day die a second time one of them will not one of them is with the Lord right now one of them is not and so um, that being said the the thief on death row as this leading kind of question was was forgiven and so the the atmosphere as we read that scripture is everybody was hurling insults at Jesus Everybody, the crowd, the Roman soldiers, and even the criminals next to him and around him were being uh, insulting and uh, criticizing and uh, ridiculing Jesus. And so uh, it is fascinating, the dichotomy here, because Jesus says, Lord, forgive them. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. And they are being totally unforgiving of any of these three people people on the cross. And so um, the thieves are death row inmates waiting their turn to be executed, and today's their day. And um, and so the one on the last day of his life, uh, he spends the last hours and minutes of his life insulting, criticizing uh, God. Uh, And I have seen that. I've seen that very same thing happen. And, And so the other one, Um, comes to his senses, so to speak, kind of like the uh, prodigal son in his last moments, comes to his senses and repents. Okay, and so, uh, interesting. So one was forgiven by Jesus alone. The fascinating part about this scripture is nobody else forgave the thief. Uh, He was an outcast, rejected by society, hated, hated. By everybody, apparently he was some type of a criminal, that uh, a robber, some of the uh, transla- to translations say. And so robber's bad news, you know, back then and today. Uh, if you're trying to mind your own business, somebody breaks into your house, or while you're trying to walk from one town to another, they uh, jump you and beat you up and uh, kill some people and uh, steal your stuff. And so this is the type of a guy that he was. He deserved to die. Um, and everybody hated him, and everybody was glad that he was being executed. Uh, and so uh, the only one that forgave him was Jesus. And, uh, and so that is kind of a, a topic that uh, we can go there if we want to today, but uh, that's kind of something that happens today with every one of us. There's some people that are unforgivable uh, in our minds and in our lives, and, uh, and I want to be very sensitive to that, because there are, some of you are victims of uh, abuse and mistreatment uh, and uh, by some predator that has hurt you more than we will ever know. And uh, so I'm not going to make light of forgiving and unforgiving. Uh, there's different levels of forgiveness. The ultimate forgiveness, this death row inmate, thief on the cross, enjoyed that. Um, now me uh, Uh, I am a little bit different me than I was uh, 25 years ago uh, and for the first half of my life. Uh, I was not a believer uh, for the first many years that I worked at uh, the Texas State Penitentiary, and therefore there was no uh, boundaries. uh, As the sermon went this morning, there was no boundaries, walls to keep me uh, even thinking about or trying to be uh, you know some type of a Christian because I wasn't and I did not believe and therefore I became a product of the prison environment and so uh, you know with no real Christian influence or Christian uh, morals to make me feel bad about what I was doing I became the prison is a very very cold hard uh, violent uh, ugly dark place and uh I became a very cold, uh, hard, dark, and violent uh, person. Uh, and we were all proud of that inside there, and, uh, and me too. Uh, it was a brotherhood, a brotherhood of uh, fellow uh, correctional officers, and uh, our goal, matter of fact, every day at shift turnout, when I was a supervisor, I told them the same thing. Uh, your uh, objective today is to go home at the end of your shift. And uh, if that requires you breaking every law that the state of Texas or the federal government has to to, to guide us, um, that comes a distant second to you going home today. And so that's the way we lived. And um, in 1983, we, the state of Texas, were found guilty of gross brutality uh, and inhumane treatment of inmates, and we were extremely guilty many of my friends went to prison over that um, only by a miracle straight from God did I not go also uh, and so uh, that's who I was and I say that to say that um, you know this nobody forgave the inmate except Jesus uh, in the scripture and same thing with us um, you know we didn't like the inmates we hated the inmates, they were our enemy, uh, and uh, every day was, we considered that a war between us and them. And uh, execution day, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that it was uh, not a good thing uh, for many reasons, but uh, what was in here, in me and, and my fellow inmates, was not good. We didn't like the inmates, that's the understatement. Uh, so we treated the inmates on death row uh, at that stage in my life, uh, and all of them, uh, all the rest of them, uh, kind of like the crowd created the thief on the cross, and like the crowd created Jesus. You know, we, uh, the inmate had no remorse for his crime. We had zero feelings for the inmate uh, as we were killing him or her. And, uh, and so that's just kind of an introductory statement about where I was and what I did and what I did not do. Uh, and so again, as a unbeliever, just life in prison was ugly, and I loved it. I actually loved being cold and dark and violent, and I became good at it. And so I got promoted over and over and over again. Uh, but uh, all that came crashing down at one point uh, and began. I came to know the Lord uh, for the first time. I read my first word of scripture and believed for the first time in my mid-twenties. And that started a journey of slowly working my way out of the old me. A lot of embarrassing bumps along the way, but uh, the, another topic about that scripture is uh, Jesus preserved the criminal's spiritual dignity uh, in the last minutes, days of his life. That is a, a, a big, weird deal also. And uh, Jesus did that. He, uh, he did not save the inmate's life physically. He saved it uh, spiritually. He saved it uh, eternally. He allowed the inmate to go ahead and suffer the consequences of his crime. In the same way that he allows you and I to suffer and die here in a similar way, um, we all are going to pay the consequences of original sin, period. Uh, but we are all forgiven. The cross... Uh, overcame uh, the second death, not the first death. The cross overcame all of our sin of all time for those who receive it. Uh, And so one thief, uh, there's two requests uh, in this passage of Scripture. One is, Lord, if you, no, he didn't say Lord. He says, hey, the one thief says, if you are the Christ, come down off that cross and save yourself and us. It's a request for physical rescue. And he didn't get that request. The other one doesn't ask for physical, saving of his physical earthly life. He says, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And so he asked for saving eternally. And Jesus granted that request and saved him. The cross is for him, and it's for you, and it's for me. Uh, But Jesus did not save him uh, physically. The last thing that I'll comment on here before we open it up to Q&A and anything else is um, the Roman soldiers' disregard for human life was uh, exhibited by the crucifixion style of execution. Um, Yeah, it was not only gory and gross, uh, uh, ugly, mean. uh, It was intended to not just kill the person, but to torture and torment and Uh, degrade them as much as possible Um, and so that uh, is still true uh, and that was true for us Um, there are things there are things similar that happened uh, behind those 30 foot high four foot thick brick concrete walls uh, that I can't write about Uh, But there are similar things, and we had similar feelings uh, as the death squad and as a part of that system. Uh, We deserved all that we got in that uh, being found guilty by the federal government uh, in 1983. And uh, so, in any event, uh, the Roman soldiers, uh, you know, they criticized Jesus. Everybody else around Jesus joined in that. And that's what happened to the thief on the cross also. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, again, it's hard to talk about it, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it anyway today in anything and everything, green light for any questions, and we're going to go there. Uh, but just for openers and just to get started, um, that uh, that is where we're going in this connect group season, it's where we're going in this Bible class, is death and resurrection. And so the ultimate healing was not for Jesus to save that fellow from death by the Romans. Not to save him from suffering uh, in the first death. It's to save him in the second death. And that's what this whole uh, series that we're talking about is about. Christ saves us eternally. uh, Not from temporary earthly consequences. So you and I, we, we die when it's our time, when God's ready for us to go. The number one question, you know, in unbelievers, and even with us, is why does God allow things like this to happen? Um, uh, God doesn't want any of those things to happen to you and to me, uh, suffering or death, but he allows it to everybody. Uh, the Word of God says, if Christ allowed this to happen to his own son, Why would he not allow that to happen to you and me? And he does allow it, uh, because it's the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so um, uh, the cross is for everyone, spiritually. Uh, And so that's why the power of this season that we're going through. George, lead us into... All
1: right, so Tim could have given his whole uh, spiel about where he's come from. But as we're gathering here, we have a certain amount of time, we just wanted to kind of focus on what you needed to know. So he kind of shared a little bit about his perspective now uh, compared to what it was before. I've spent a few, uh, several longer occasions talking to uh, Pastor Tim about this conversion process, about what he did, what he does now. He is willing to answer any questions. So I know you got him. Dan asked, when was the aha moment about Jesus, right?
2: Good question and it's a weird, weird, weird thing and kind of a miraculous thing. I became a product of that environment and um, everybody in that environment loved that me. I was a very ugly, dark, violent person. Uh, uh, And uh, embarrassingly that I can even tell you these things because even though I wouldn't know these dimensions, but uh, back then all I did was run wind sprints and uh, pump iron all day every day. Uh, Back then you know, I had 17-inch uh, arms and a 45-inch chest, and I could bench press uh, two and a half times my body weight. And I, and I, uh, and all, it's all still the, close to that. Yeah. <laughs> all of that was because I trusted only in myself and my team, uh, and so we we took care of business and had zero remorse. In the same way that the inmates, many of them, had zero remorse for their crimes. We, not only did I not have any remorse, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I look forward to going to work. I look forward to fighting. Uh, and it was ugly. And so great question about where was the breakthrough moment. By God's grace, if I would have stayed in there uninterrupted, it might not, probably would have never come because um, all my cheerleaders loved that part of me. And, um, and so uh, at one point I left the penitentiary for a short period of time. I left that job, I left that career for a short period of time. Uh, A member of my family was ill, and so to go help out with that, uh, I moved back down to the Houston area and uh, was helping out with that. And while I was there, I was working at a steel mill for a short period of time, and a guy working next to me in the steel mill one day, uh, he just said, Hey, Carter, you uh, you believe in Jesus? And I said, uh, I suppose that there's somebody that probably lived at one time named Jesus. And I said, but I certainly don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. I said, I think the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales and stupidity for gullible, uh, ignorant people. You know, I said, oh, there's BS about, uh, uh, about uh, Jonah and the whale and Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve and... virgin birth and all this. I think that's, I told the guy, that's all absolutely stupid. And anybody that believes in that uh, is a fool. And he said, "Um, have you ever read any of the Bible? And I said, no. And uh, he said, pulled out a pocket New Testament, and he gave it to me, and he said, "Uh, would you just go home and read one sentence of this? And I said, sure. Uh, I went home, and I started reading at the little pocket, started reading at the beginning of Matthew, and I've never stopped since that moment. And so uh, that's the answer to your question is, God interrupted my prison career just long enough to get me out of that environment, into a different environment, of somebody that was brave enough and cared enough to ask me that question. And uh, that was it. Now, I didn't become a nice person, uh, but I did become a believer. I became a believer, and I've never stopped reading the Word since. Um, and so, uh, good, good, good point. Uh, that Fascinating, I could tell you more about that. Wifey actually set up a reunion one day, 10 years later, because I, I left the steel mill and went right back to work for the prison again. But I was gone just long enough for that to happen. <coughs> went right back to the prison, and there was my cheerleaders again. Come on, be stupid again, be you. And... Uh, and uh, it took years and years, I'm still working on it, to the sanctification part, you know, took a long, long time. Well, good, good question. That's when it, it broke and I became a believer.
1: Connie ask if, if Pastor Tim could tell us about the book that you wrote, what led to that book, what the book is about.
2: Okay, uh, I was in seminary, uh, you know, a handful of years after I left the prison, and um, my, seminary professors found out what I had done and who I had been. And so they hooked me up with our denominational publishing house, Concordia Publishing House. And uh, they hooked me up with them and uh, suggested, you know, and uh, got with them and uh, started the official process of writing. Um, but somebody else asked me the question earlier and that's how it happened. That's how the book became a real story, a real you know, recording of all those events. But, I guess the total story is is by the time I started writing that book, I was in seminary, and I was recalling all of this and I was interpreting it now through a different lens. I was interpreting all of the stuff that happened through the lens of, oh, my gosh, what I went through was actually God shaping me. And so uh, that's how God made that happen.
1: What was the aha moment of going through seminary? So from the moment you believed to the moment you went to seminary, can you just walk us through some of the, the steps of that and what actually said, I'm going to seminary?
2: Uh, another cool question. And, uh, and that is that my journey from becoming a believer and hearing the word for the first time and receiving God's grace and coming to faith and, uh, and starting to grow closer is a slow journey between fighting less physically and fighting more spiritually uh, on my knees. Uh, And so that was a long embarrassing journey. Uh, But um, along the way, after one of those promotions, I was put on the death row uh, capital punishment death squad. And so I became a part of the the death squad. And um, I, by then I had some, Uh, It's amazing that my call in ministry is care and compassion, and that used to be the farthest thing from my interest or desire. Uh, But um, in that sanctification journey, God was melting the hard shell around my heart and replacing cold darkness with uh, light and warmth and compassion. So here I am. I'm on the desk lot. Uh, And I was... Uh, physically a part of the execution of over 150 inmates. Uh, By the time I started going back and trying to imagine how many, somewhere around 168 inmate executions, men and women. And so when I was in that process, um, it was the goofy process, but that's a big part of it. While I was on the desk lot and I was doing this, I realized that, oh my gosh, we're doing what these soldiers were doing. And I've I got to stop, sure, i got to stop somewhere in this revelation of what we would do. But uh, it was not good. It was not, it was not good. The way we would act before, during, and after the execution was uh, not good. And, uh, and so that is part of what got me, is I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm now one of these Christians. And uh, back then, before I came to believe, I not only didn't like uh, prison ministry people. Uh, but I hated them just like I hated the inmates. And I thought they were a horrible, uh, compromise, uh, to our security. And so, uh, we had these prison ministry groups come in to, and talk to our inmates. And so, um, uh, when I was a, uh, uh, a guard on the tank and I would roll these big old crank doors and open 28 doors at one time and let you know uh, 50 inmates out of their cell at one time and I'd holler you know child time or or whatever it was time to go to work and on occasions I would reel that and I'd say uh, I would announce that the prison ministry people were here and uh, so we had a nickname for prison ministry people and we called them hug a thug a bunch of hug a thugs and so, so I was literally like the apostle Paul I was an enemy of Christ. I hated all of that, and I thought it was a huge security problem to have prison ministry people in there. And so I'd say, "Hug a thug. They're here, you know, for all you goofballs." And uh, and so uh, that was uh, me. And uh, but but in prison, excuse me, in death row, and in uh, execution nights and days uh, as my heart was warming up every time there was a process try to make it as slow as possible as quick as possible but uh, lots of things happened that day I'd sit with the inmate for a long time being executed I'd walk across the street and I'd get his mom or his whatever family was going to witness the execution and uh, I'd shake down mom and I'd you know or dad or whoever and uh, and I would deal with them make sure they're not a security risk and I'd escort them in and some executions, I'd just be standing right there with them, making sure they were not a security challenge to the execution as it was going on. And throughout all this, um, it went from being a cold heart to a very warm heart to bothering me. And uh, and also walking across the street and back to get this family and bring them in was an all-out assault on me uh, because uh, there's a lot of protesters out there, sometimes thousands. And they're hollering at me as I walk across the street saying, you, (laughs) talking to me because I'm Joe, you know, uh, back then prison captain, uniform, walking. They say, you, I hope you know you're going straight to hell for executing this man. And so I heard that time and time again. uh, Used to not care. But at one point I went to my pastor and I said to him, am I going straight to hell (laughs) for killing this guy? Uh, You know, and so uh, that's part of the answer is I started uh, worrying about my own, am I, should I be doing this? And then the rest of it is, is I, he said, yes, you, the Word of God says here, and Luther says, you know, that uh, one of the callings in life is a hangman, Luther says. And uh, it's true, is that uh, people are appointed by God and ordained of God to restrain evil. And you're one of those, Carter. But, if you enjoy that, look forward to it, then you're as bad as the guy that you're executing. But if you're just a member of the, of the government doing what you are called to do and ordained and uh, you know commissioned to do, well then that's your calling. But that started the process, and so I became more and more compassionate to the family and to the inmate himself. And so the, the capital punishment experience uh, ushered me into um, uh, that breaking point you're talking about uh, to where I became just heavily more uh, extremely uh, compassionate uh, for the family that's suffering like crazy. And interestingly, that's what I do now. And so what George said when he introduced me was I went from making people die to helping people die. And so uh, spent all day yesterday and the day before with some members of our church that are dying. And I would, there's nothing I would rather do more than that. Uh, that's God used all that bleh to somehow shape my heart into uh, what it is today. Now I help people die, and I help put my arm around people's hearts that are just dying because their family is dying, and I used to do just the opposite.
1: Renee's asking about changes of heart right before executions, like the thief on the cross.
2: Uh, I'm going to go ahead. George is prepared to do this for us. Um, I made a video 20 years ago that answers your question. And uh, George showed this video at a staff meeting uh, for a little devo I gave, just... uh, a week ago. And uh, so I'm gonna show you this video, George is gonna show it to you. It's a little four minute video and it answers your question. Uh, So don't laugh too hard when you see that I look quite different than I did 20 years ago. (laughs) This was filmed in prison uh, back when I was still there. You're gonna see that the video was made by a videographer from my previous church I used to serve at before I ever, ever went to seminary or any of that stuff. Just I was just a member of the congregation and uh, okay.
0: I hope you are enjoying this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group. For more information, you can head over to stpeterscolumbus.org. There, you will find more faith content and you can support this ministry. And don't forget, if you are looking for that local church and you live in Columbus, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. Now, back to the Sunday Morning Bible Group.
2: I told George, if somebody asked that question, let's go ahead and show that. And so uh, it didn't happen very often, but a small handful of times, some inmates would, right there in the last hour of their life, uh, give their life to Christ. Uh, you see all kinds of different people die in there. Some of them are terrified and scared to death and we have to pick them up and carry them to the gurney and strap them to the gurney because their legs won't work. Some of them are so mad and so violent that they fight us tooth and nail. And it takes us a lot of time and a lot of fighting to get them subdued and all that. And some of them are like this. Some of them respond to the word just like the thief on the cross. And some of them, repent and give their life to Christ, and some of them, uh, go right there while we're killing them, are praising God, you know, excited about, about to see you face to face. And so, amazing, amazing. And so, I guess I'll polish that up with an explanation that a, a part of my, big part of my journey to becoming head over heels in love with Christ was a... Uh, was feeling the consequences of my past life. And it was ugly, Uh, my life was in bad shape. Everything was going wrong and I was, it was bad. And so I went to talk to a professor of criminology named Dr. George Beto. He used to be a a Lutheran pastor. He used to be uh, a Lutheran uh, professor at Concordia University. Uh, but now he was the director of the prison system of all things and, uh, and he was a professor of criminology which is what my undergraduate degree was in. So I went and talked to him and I said hey, uh, the Lord says oh, excuse me, everybody tells me you're a Christian and I said I'm a Christian now I'm a believer but I have to quit. The, you can't keep peace in here and you can't run the state penitentiary and be a Christian at the same time it just doesn't work and he read to me Matthew 10, 16, which Jesus tells his disciples, I send you out into this world as a sheep among wolves. Therefore, you must be as shrewd as a serpent, yet as gentle as a dove. And Dr. Beto told me, he said, you, Captain Carter, you're fantastic at being shrewd as a serpent. Shrewd as a serpent. You're horrible at being gentle as a dove. He said, you need to learn this concept of law and gospel to where you need to go back and read God's Word. No, you don't need to leave the penitentiary. You need to read God's Word and read it for gospel and mercy and grace, not just law. You thought of yourself as an agent of God's wrath, and you have been, and you still are. But now you need to realize, he told me, that um, Christ died for those inmates that you have hated all your life and for those inmates that you're executing. He died for them just as much as for you, and he loves them just as much as he loves you. And so that, uh, I've never forgot it, and it's been my, to this day, all you see in my office is um, wolves and sheep uh, everywhere, to keep that in my face, that, um, that I am just as guilty and just as deserving of hell. As every man that I ever executed uh, and every inmate that I ever restrained uh, and so uh, long answer to your question uh,
1: we'll take one more Leanna and then I'm gonna wrap up
0: I guess I was just curious about once you changed over and your heart changed and you began to do things differently at the penitentiary did you see your fellow workers follow like you were like an example that they followed along or how did they react to your change? To-
2: totally they... cool question, totally cool question. And that, that answer to your question breaks my heart. And the answer is I, it started putting some distance between me and them, not because I didn't like them anymore. They were still my brothers and I loved them like crazy. Uh, but in my retirement party, Uh, the warden and the director answered that question as they were presenting me with these things and talking about me. They told the crowd there, they said, Carter changed. And in these last many years, he's no longer been one of us. And they said, uh, Carter's no longer a heathen like the rest of us. And so we're happy that he is, uh, you know, gonna be doing something more appropriate. And so when I'm hearing that, I'm thinking, I guess that's a compliment, I guess, you know? (laughs) But uh, it's it's a summary. Good question. And so yeah, I didn't become enemies with my buddies, but literally the truth of that thing is, we really did think that the, the motto was kindness is weakness. There's no room for Christians in here. And when I became a hug-a-thug, that was a problem. And so, yeah.
1: Thanks, Pastor Tim. <clears throat> Every time I listen to him tell those things, something else pops up. You know, again, we are talking earlier about people going through tough times. It was a tough time in his family's life that God used to bring him to faith. You know we talk about um i think he mentioned the the prodigal son you know and we are most of us we are we're the indignant brothers right well how can you let this sinner in, in, into heaven you know when i've been here you know i've been doing all this hard work for the church i've been living this life of a christian and what does god say to us my son and my daughter you've been with me forever and everything i have is yours we have a great treasure to share. And thank you, Tim, for sharing with us that message. Let's go back to the scripture that Tim uh, referred to earlier. And uh, now if I can get this thing back to working, Tim. In your, in your papers at your table, you will have that uh, print off. Uh, let's look what does the Bible say. So uh, Tim read for us, uh, or referred back to the thief on the cross. Let's read that out loud. I'm just going to highlight a couple points here. Uh, just to bring out some of what Tim said. Two others who were criminals, who were criminals, Jesus who was not, Jesus who was completely innocent, led away to be put to death with him. And when they had come to the place, which is called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. This was how the Romans executed people. It was not an easy thing. First, they would mock the people. And again, Tim mentioned that it, it still happens in prisons today. Jesus was beaten. He was mocked. Uh, Most of the prisoners were stripped, probably naked as they were hung upon the cross. Cross, being up on the cross, it wasn't a short thing. It was unusual that Jesus died in six hours. The normal thing is they would be up there for several days. Now in Israel, they would not leave the dead body upon the cross. In other parts of the Roman world, the criminal would be on the cross till they rotted as an example to other people this is what your government can do for you. But Jesus died within six hours. Let's look what Jesus does. The first thing he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garment. Even as he's praying for them, they're gambling for his clothes. Even as, they, as he prayed for them. All right, then it continues. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is christ of god the chosen one not only the soldiers their mood was replicated by the crowd they're mocking jesus and this really we're going to come up to this this is really the last temptation of jesus jesus was tempted all through his life we saw those three temptations in the wilderness but jesus has continued to be tempted throughout his life what's the temptation at the end the soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. What's the temptation? Take the easy ride out. Take the easy route. Get off the cross. You don't have to die. What kept Jesus on the cross? Obedience to his father and love for us. His mission was to die, and he kept his eyes on that mission, right? There was a scripture over him that said, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? And Tim referred to this, save yourself and others. Save yourself and us with you, right? So here's the thieves. Well, we're all, we're all in this together. You know, when you think about a jailbreak, let's all go together. Let's work on this together. You know, here were three criminals, the, the guy saying, save us, right? All right. Was he really believing it? No, he was making fun of him too. The other rebuked him. Do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. That man right there realized he deserved what he got. He knew it. He knew it. But what does he ask then? And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One statement. Wasn't a Lutheran, didn't go through confirmation class, all right? probably wasn't baptized right probably a jew probably gone through all the jewish things but didn't know all the other things one thing he didn't know the one thing remember me when you come into your kingdom he knew that jesus was different didn't know everything but he knew it what does jesus say to him truly i said you today you will be with me in paradise so there's a bunch of things here we're going to be going through but today upon his death that thief would be in heaven And we're going to talk about what that whole thing is. But I want to just highlight a few points because we're almost out of time here. All right, first thing, the Romans exhibited a huge disregard for life. But before we judge them too much, don't we see that in our world today? We're killing babies by millions. We have entertainment that focuses on death and destruction. And sometimes we root for the good guys, right? Because the good guys are killing and torturing the bad guys but really isn't that the devil working at our hearts not to be forgiving but to get into that we need to take an eye for an eye and plus more all right the disregard for life it's huge it's in our world today the thief was still executed even though he was forgiven again pastor tim mentioned that sometimes the consequences of sin in our world still are in effect that doesn't mean that god doesn't forgive us we have forgiveness as believers. Jesus preserved the spiritual dignity of that sinner in his last breath. Jesus in his last breath, what did he start with? Forgive them for they don't know for they don't know what they're doing. You're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus cared all the way to the end. We've seen many people who have had witness on their deathbed about the power of God, about the love of Jesus and jesus continues to continue to care for those that are dying there's a dignity that god wants us to preserve for those that are dying then and i'm going to just emphasize this even a simple faith can save you all right what is it saves us simply faith in jesus christ what condemns us rejecting that forgiveness that he offers i don't know how much you need does that mean that we want to be that last minute conversion definitely not all right. But if you say, is my faith strong enough to go to heaven? That's not the right question. Because it's not your faith, your, the strength of your faith, that saves you. It's the work of Jesus. Even the bruised reed or the smoldering wick, I won't put out. The simple faith, the faith of that thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, does that mean we don't work at our faith? That doesn't mean we don't work at that process of sanctification by being in Bible study, by being in in worship? No, because we want to strengthen our faith so that we can witness that to others. But it's not how how hard I pray, how hard I study. It's not me. It's all Jesus, right? Jesus is the one that works. He worked through those simple words in Matthew to begin melting a heart. He works through the things in our life to bring us closer to him. He's the one that does the work. So as we're thinking about this, God can forgive anything. We can't, but he can. We have sometimes, there's no way they deserve to be forgiven. And there's people in your life that probably hurt you. I can never forgive them. I've heard that before. I can never forgive them. Praise God, Jesus can, right? We can't forgive, but God can thank goodness for us because when we start putting our finger at that thief on the cross, we start putting our finger at those around us, and we can look right back at ourselves. If God would really hold everything against us that we've done, we don't deserve heaven either. Praise be to God that He sent Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you first and foremost that you brought our brother through the different things in our lives. You brought us into faith to you, Lord. Uh, help us. you know. We believe, help us in our unbelief. Just as that man spoke to Jesus, we speak now. We need your help to grow in our faith because we can't do it ourselves. We know that you love us. And so Jesus, as we go out from this, help us to share that gift, that gift of your love with everyone that we come in contact with. No matter how we think that they don't deserve it or they do deserve it, we don't deserve it, Lord, and you've given it to us. Help us to share that. And we pray all this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.
0: Hey, I hope that you enjoyed this Sunday morning Bible group. If you did, be sure to share it and subscribe so we can get you more faith content when it's available. And I want to give a shout out to all people who call St. Peter's home. It is through you that we are able to connect people to Jesus for the first time and keep people connected for a lifetime. We hope to see you next time.